Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Show first show of the new year on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep the text coming on the Charlotte Men's Clinic text line 704-570-9610. And let's get right to it, folks. On the phone line, we've got Mark calling to tap in with the Weston Walker Show. Mark, what you got going on, my man? Hey, man, what I'd like to think, you know, instead of Tepper with his pocketbook, let's get them, they're talking about drinking, let's do the three strikes thing. Uh, have him blow a, at halftime, do a blood pressure th- or a blood thing where he blows into a thing and have it uh, on this, uh, the halftime show at the stadium <laughs> so everybody knows what he blew for his uh for his alcohol content. <laughs> you know, put it out there for everybody. Let him get embarrassed, man. You know, um, that what, way he and three strikes and let him sell the team after that. Sorry, you can't hold it. Your liquor, you can't hold the team. What would be more embarrassing if he didn't have a drop of alcohol in him or if he did? Like if he was, what would be more embarrassing? The fact that that came from a sober thought. I don't know what would be more embarrassing, but it would be hilarious. Yeah, I think to it would be more anyway. frightening to come from a sober thought, I would <laughs> think. Right? I don't know. It's all frightening, man. All of it is very frightening. Anything else, Mark? No, that's it. That's all, right, all we I got. appreciate Thank it. Man. All right, Mark, Thanks we appreciate the call. the call. Yeah, man. I like the idea. Yeah, that would be uh, quite an innovative way to test out the owner and see if uh, you can get him in the stadium (laughs) and get his temperament where you would like to get it. So we're going to be talking about that a ton more. You already know that is one of the top trending stories in all of sports. I saw it everywhere yesterday. But for now, folks, it's time to talk about college football playoffs. It is time for the campus corner. Yeah, man. College football playoffs definitely delivered yesterday. If you stayed up to finish watching it, then I'm sure you got two great games that you were satisfied with. And this is what we wanted when they picked this four. We know that FSU was not happy about what happened there, and they certainly couldn't be happy about that 63-3 drubbing they got from the Georgia Bulldogs. But we'll get to that more in a minute. But two Great, great games in playoff history we got yesterday. The Michigan Wolverines did their thing. They beat Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide, handing him his first semifinal loss since 2014, with Alabama entering the contest winning six straight semifinal matchups in the CFP. J.J. McCarthy, the man that Jim Harbaugh called the greatest college football quarterback in history, after the game. Yes, he did say that. He loves J.J. McCarthy. You know, we talked about uh, last season with, uh, what was my man from Georgia? Lord have mercy. I, love I was about so to much. say, you can't forget I about know. your guy, um, Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett. And the playoff record he had and the stats and things of that nature. But J.J. McCarthy's 27 career starts. Michigan is 26-1. and one, The best mark by any starting quarterback in at least the last 20 years. That win rate rate above Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, and others. 
Michigan got five sacks in the first half alone, matching their previous single-game season best in just 30 minutes, setting an all-time college football playoff record for sacks in a half. And then on offense, Michigan compiled 351 yards of offense with McCarthy thrown for 221 yards and three touchdowns. Blake Corm had 118 yards from scrimmage. But offensively, for the most part, this was a pretty even game. Alabama had 288 yards of offense. They had the ball for 32 minutes. As I said, Michigan had 351 yards for 27 minutes. Jalen Milrow had 179 yards of total offense on 16 of 23 passing. What do we think of that matchup? What do we think of the final call of that game as well? Did Alabama and Nick Saban just drop the ball as far as having their team prepared and got out coached? All right, yeah, so the, the call with Jalen Milrow just running right up the gut in a have-to-have-it situation didn't make much sense. Like, pretty much zero creativity. Don't exactly know what happened. That did not – that wasn't anything I expected. Thought they were going to throw it, maybe run on the outside, maybe even have a little trickery involved in the form of a lateral or a pitch or whatever. But it was him running right up the gut and then you get stuffed because that's one of Michigan's strengths is the defensive line and so nothing made sense about that final call I just thought man watching Michigan J.J. McCarthy be able to drive his team down the field in the fourth quarter when it's not like he had a crazy stat line three touchdowns yes 220 yards is not a lot of passing yards 17 to 27 is fine enough but this is the question that I had when it was time for J.J. McCarthy to go win the game, was he going to be able to do it against really good defenses? And he was. He was able to have that drive that he puts together and throw for a few touchdowns in order to get them to the national championship for the first time in the college football playoff era. So I thought that was a big takeaway. The other one is when Milrow fumbled the ball and just lost it on zero hit, just like it was an awful turnover. I thought, yeah, that's how Michigan's going to win the football game. Michigan misses the kick on the possession they have after they recover the fumble. And then I thought, all right, it's going to go to Alabama now. Like the roller coaster of emotions that I felt after the Milrow fumble. Okay, now it's Michigan. Wait, now it's going to be Alabama. Wait, it's going to be Michigan this entire time. It was a fun football game down the stretch. Yeah, and the thing about it was on that final call, you always want to give your team options. And that was the thing that was perplexing to me. And then this Alabama offense, Michigan put the clamps on it. You remember pregame, I told you, the Alabama had 39 completions of at least 25 yards this season. They were very explosive, but we didn't see any of that. And they tried to do that with kind of the game plan, having Jalen Milrow drop back. But on that final call, I didn't have a ton of issues with it. I felt like the snap might have thrown off the timing just a little bit. But I like in situations like that, give my quarterback a couple of options, either run spread where you fake it to the running back or he gives it and then makes a decision off that or give him the option to where he gets out on the edge and can decide, hey, am I going to throw this thing or am I going to run it? So I thought that they failed there, but Michigan special teams almost lost them that game yesterday well. well. and it was a low snap, too, and there were people you know, discussing how, yeah, it was a low snap, and it felt like he just tried to make something happen, and it really was. He had to go grab this snap really right at the ground. It just felt like... It, there could have been something else and the guys are rushing free on the outside once he gets it you know we have some people rolling and saying there's a gap that maybe he could run through but it just was if bad he makes from the a snap. clean catch so, yeah, and then maybe that speed he can breeze through. yeah just wasn't able to execute and just a mishap right Milrow on the fumble where it wasn't because he got hit hard it wasn't because of anything he just lost the handle on the football in a place that that can't happen and then to have the bad snap in a moment just weird unforced errors 
that happened on the part of Alabama that we're used to, uh, we're, we're really not used to seeing from the Crimson Tide. Fiddy, what were your thoughts on the game yesterday? Oh, man, there's there's nothing like watching a team, a program that you have loved your entire life break break down the wall, overcome adversity. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I was about to say, it was a weird... It was a <laughs> lot of fun watching Michigan beat Bama. Also, um, more playoff games at the Rose Bowl, please. Like, yeah. those games just deliver every single time. They do, man. I love the Rose Bowl. One of the most picturesque settings that you could have as well. I'm sorry. I'm laughing at Fiddy. I know. Boy, yeah, I'm just, sure. It's, it sounds a little raggedy. Yeah, it definitely he's, he's does. Gargling Clorox over there is what it sounds like. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, this matchup, it seemed like Michigan was going to be in store for more of the same from Alabama. We know Alabama has had their way kind of with Michigan uh, the last few times that they've seen them. But for uh, them to battle back like they did, show that resilience. It had a feeling of a team of destiny. When you finally get over the hump over a program that's really been holding you back because we know Michigan lost last season to TCU. It just feels like Michigan has been knocking at the door and they finally were able to break it down. And so then the second game of the night, Texas and Washington, we got exactly what we wanted there, an offensive explosion towards or in contrast to the more defensive game that we saw from Alabama and Michigan. They had just enough scoring for me. But for Washington, this season, over 14 games, they've never trailed by more than seven points. The Huskies never trailed at all in eight of 14 games, including in the game against the Texas Longhorns, over a total of 840 minutes this season. The Huskies have trailed for just 101 minutes, five seconds, meaning they've been tied or ahead for 738 minutes and 44 seconds. That is your uh, clock math class for the day right there. But Washington has won its last 12 games that have been decided by one score or less. Uh, they were tremendous. And then their defense, too, which was, I thought was going to be their downfall, they've allowed a total of just 41 fourth-quarter points over its last nine games and just 27 points in the fourth over the last six. So they put the clamps on when need be. Michael Penix was absolutely sensational. 430 passing yards, 29 of 38. He was just throwing darts all over the field. Your thoughts? That no matter how much we try to write off Washington and Michael Penix, they just continue to win these one-score games. And this wasn't even supposed to be a one-score game at the end. They were supposed to win, finally, by double digits, but they almost had an epic collapse. They're barely able to hold on, though. 37-31, that's what allows it to be a one-score game. And Michael Penix throwing for 430 yards, running for another 30 on three carries. This is the guy that we didn't really want to give the Heisman to because he wasn't dominant enough against some of these other teams that they played. Despite Washington having the hardest strength of schedule, they had so many one-score victories. Three points against Washington State, two against Oregon State, seven against Utah, ten against USC, which isn't enough when you consider the USC bad year that they had. What, did they finish, like, eight and five after the bowl win? Just wasn't enough for us every single time, but somehow, some way, he continues to hit deep bomb after deep throw to Adunze or whoever is down there receiving it, and they've just marched all the way to the championship. This would be one of the more imp impressive individual runs that we've ever seen. Certainly that did not result in a Heisman. Especially just talking about that program with the strength of schedule to end the Pac-12 as we know it, 
to come out on top and win a championship for that squad, I, I would be highly, highly impressed to the point where we'd have to put it up among some of the best individual runs we've ever seen with other QBs, what Michael Penix is doing. And a big reason why he's able to do that, folks, I keep telling you, if you're going to get this rebuild right here in Carolina, man, you're going to have to draft the big boys and be patient because I told you coming into this game, their offensive line won the 2023 Joe Moore Award given to the nation's best unit. They only allow .85 sacks per game. That's tied for fourth in the country and three and a half tackles for loss. And that's fifth nationally, tied for it. What did they give up last night? Zero sacks on the night and only three tackles for loss. If you can come out in today's college football and get that clean of a performance from your offensive line, Man, let me tell you, you're going to be sitting pretty. And that's what Michael Penix was doing last night. He was barely bothered last night. He got back there and just had all the time in the world to call his girl, cook a steak, and then throw a touchdown pass, all right? Washington's defense, like I said, showed up for him. They got two sacks and five tackles for loss. And yet, and still, I thought that Texas was going to come back and get this game. You felt like Texas could kind of score when they wanted to. They just would keep shooting themselves in the foot, so to speak. What did you think of that last play? Because... I thought it was a good design. I did think that Quinn could have thrown a little bit better ball right yeah. there. But I thought that, hey, a 50-50 ball with the game on the line, you got to live with that, especially throwing to a kid who had already made a spectacular uh, catch in that game. When you look at what he was able to do, the Georgia transfer, um, oh, his name escapes me. I'll find him in a minute. But what did you think of that last play call? Well, I mean, I just think, look – you were probably could have thrown it a little better, I guess. But, I mean, ultimately, it's a 50-50 ball. What are you going to do? And when you talk about Man, Texas... Adonai Mitchell is his name. When you're talking about... Uh, Washington, or excuse me, Texas, being able to score whenever they wanted. Yeah, it certainly felt that way, too, at the end of the first half, when they were able to march down the field pretty easily, and they score, I think, with something like 17 seconds left to go. You have the big run from Quinn Ewers. That was the 21-yard run, I believe, of the 54 total that he ended up with. And so you go into the second half, a tie ball game, and they're able to hold on in that third quarter. They get that 10-point lead, and then barely, despite the uh, best efforts of that last play. Yeah, just, I don't know what else, you know, there's a lot more to do there as far as uh, Texas trying to figure out a way to win on the Hail Mary type situation. Who was the biggest winner last night, both individually and team-wise? And then we can do the same thing for loser. We can do it rapid fire. Uh, Michael Penix is the biggest winner to me. I, I know Jim Harbaugh wants to tell you it's J.J. McCarthy. Coach-wise, it's Jim Harbaugh having beat Nick Saban in Alabama. So you would say Michigan is the biggest winner team-wise? Team-wise, I guess it's Michigan, although Washington is up there. I, I just The bigger, bigger winner overall, if there's no limitations... I Penix, man, like we're about to get into some pretty serious conversation as far as an individual run. And somebody texted um, that Trevor Lawrence, Jack said Trevor Lawrence is the best to never win a Heisman. I don't even mean best player to never win a Heisman. Just think about going undefeated with that tough of a schedule in conference and then to do it in the college football playoff to beat a team like Texas if he beats Michigan. How many other better runs can you point to? I'm sure there are a couple, but there's not many. For somebody that hasn't won the Heisman before, Cam Newton, Tim Tebow, those are a couple guys you could point to, but they ended up taking home the hardware. I just would be wildly impressed for somebody that had 430 yards passing. The best game QBR-wise this entire season happened in the contest that mattered most for the Washington Huskies. Yeah, man, I I'm totally impressed with what he's doing. Yeah, I loved what Michael Penix did. He kind of did what I expected him to. Did I expect him to light it up like that? Uh, maybe not, but I still expected him to have a game 
game over 300 yards with multiple touchdown passes. I'm going to go with Blake Corn, man. The guy he just kept on pounding last night. Alabama was being very stingy, but he saved his biggest moments for the end of the game. This is a kid that's been a consummate playmaker for the Michigan team, uh, game in and game out. So I'm going to go with him. My biggest winner as a team also is I'm going to go with Michigan because this is a team that was 0-2 coming into the semifinals, going up against an Alabama team that I said had owned them the last times that they had seen them. So for Michigan to win over that, I think that's why you saw the celebration, how it was. Of course, they're excited to go to the championship, but to do it beating Alabama, especially after the national perception, we know the video and all that stuff like that, I think Michigan definitely uh, got a huge boost for their program 